Old Radio. Old Radio. Old Radio. Old Radio. Old Radio. Comedy Podcast. Welcome to episode 20 of season 3 of the Old Radio Comedy Podcast. John Florence Sullivan, better known as Fred Allen, was a comedian who got his start on vaudeville in the 19-teens, then moved up to Broadway in the 20s, and finally radio in the 1930s. His first appearance was on Chicago's WLS Showboat, then he moved on to his own show, first called the Linnet Bath Club Review on CBS, then becoming the Salad Bowl Review on NBC, then the Sal Hepatica Review, then the Hour of Smiles, and finally Town Hall Tonight, all between 1932 and 1939. In 1939, the name was changed once again to The Fred Allen Show, which Allen actually never liked. The show was incredibly influential on radio and later on television, considered a pioneer in comedy variety and sitcom formats. TV shows such as Laugh-In and Saturday Night Live were influenced by Town Hall Tonight's Town Hall News segments. The show that eventually became Town Hall Tonight was the longest-running hour-long comedy show in classic radio history. In 1948, the new show Stop the Music knocked Allen down in the ratings, and in 1949, he stepped down. Fred Allen's legendary feud with Jack Benny was famous throughout the 1930s and 40s, with both comedians famously knocking each other on their shows. But the feud was actually a hoax, as Allen and Benny were actually very close friends off the air. After a brief foray into television in the 1950s that never took off, Allen died on March 17, 1956. Now sit back and enjoy the June 22, 1939, hour-long broadcast of The Fred Allen Show. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX is The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Now let's come to order, folks. It's Town Hall tonight. An hour of smiles in Town Hall tonight, folks. 60 minutes of fun and music brought to you by Ipana Toothpaste and Sal Hepatica. Ipana for the smile of beauty, Sal Hepatica for the smile of health. Fun with our star comedian, Fred Allen. Music with Peter Van Steen. New songs, new laughs. It's Town Hall tonight. Well, sir, another hour of entertainment is starting down the assembly line at the old town hall. Here comes the chassis, Peter Van Steeden, and the orchestra bolts on the overture. It's called Wishing. Keep on wishing and care will go. Dreamers tell us dreams come true. 
Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, it is with great pleasure, it is with keen delight, <laughs> yes, it is with ill-concealed happiness, or I might say basking in an aura of joy, that I bring you for the last time this season, Fred... I'll say, Harry, Harry, <laughs> Harry, 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 what I is was... this? What is this, the, the last time? This isn't my last program. Are you here again next week, Fred? Yes. Next next Wednesday's my last oh, week. Oh, shucks. Well, and that well, uh, is putting it mildly, Harry. Well, Fred, my whole opening is about this being your last program. Well, if you think I'm going to finish tonight just to save you the trouble of changing a few lines, well, no, Harry. Oh, it's all right. Well, well I'll, I'll make well, up something. Uh, now, ladies and gentlemen, for the next to the last time, I give you that next to the last comedian who is on his next to the last legs, Fred Allen in person. Thank you, and good evening. It's a wonder Mr. Rockefeller wouldn't get these things fixed. Thank you, and for the next to the last time, thank you, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. And now for our next to the last turn to the next to the last news of the week. Could we have a, a, uh, a next to the last fanfare, Peter? Uh, Say, that sounded like the last one, Harry. They couldn't squeeze one out after that, could you? <laughs> the town hall news. Sees nothing, shows nothing. Say, that's better than something. <laughs> New York City, New York. As the final curtain drops on the Broadway theater this month, many actors turn their attention to the summer playhouse. Little theater groups spring up in barns and haylofts around the country, affording a haven for actors, producers, and directors when activity in the Broadway show shops all but disappears. To get the confused outlook on rural theater this summer, Town Hall News interviews a motley group of untalented nobodies identified with obscure bucolic enterprises last season. First, an actor who had a most unusual summer in 1938, Mr. Roulard Cuckle. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Cuckle, you are a meadow mummer, are you? Yeah. Yeah, I do character acting mostly. Really? Yeah, my specialty is surly butlers and diffident ruies. <laughs> diffident ruies, huh? Yeah. Yeah, in the third act, I always know the millionaire's wife loves me, but I'm diffident. Oh, I, <laughs> I declare a diffident. Now, how... <laughs> I just threw that in, if you don't like it. How did, you, how did you get into the summer theater last season? Well, things were tough around Broadway. You uh, weren't eating regularly? My stomach must have thought me mouth was closed for repairs. <laughs> you, uh, you and vitamins had nothing in common. Let me tell it, will you, bud? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mr. Cuckle. Continue. Well, one day I'm standing outside the automat, and I see a guy winking at me out of a trailer. Panhandling gasoline? Yeah, he's casting the show. <laughs> the trailer is a summer theater. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah, the guy's trying to get a mob of thin actors so they'll fit in the trailer. Well, what was the company called? The Trailer Troubadours. We opened with the American Way. The American Way in a trailer? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, the show was going 
around all the time. Did the, uh, <laughs> did the, did the critics like it? Oh, yeah. Brooks Atkinson covered the show on roller skates. We must have been doing 60. Well, what was Mr. Atkinson's review? He says, a fast-moving attraction. Fine. Well, how was business with the trailer troubadours? Brutal. Toward the end, we was driving ahead of cars with the trailer's back door open. If the car behind liked the first act, we'd crowd him over to the side of the road and give the rest of the show. Well, where did you finally close your season? In the finance company's office. Really? <laughs> yeah, they caught up with us during intermission. What well, was the, uh, was the cast upset? Yeah, it was the first time the trailer was ever held over. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Roulard Cuckoo. That's all right. That's a matter of fact. <laughs> A society leader who is taking a summer flyer this year, Mrs. Ainsley Thorpe Police Tweedle III. How did you happen to found a summer theater, Mrs. Tweedle? I don't know, really. Someone at Toulouse Cocktail Party said, why don't we? The next thing I knew, there I was in a turtleneck sweater and puttees directing. Well, what is your theater group called? The Winnie the Pooh Players. Winnie the Pooh? Yes, we stress the Winnie. Yeah. <laughs> Leaving the audience to carry on. I beg your pardon. Granted, I'm sure. Now tell me, has your group a definite objective? Oh, yes. We're putting on pinafore. Right away? Yes, I'm writing Gilbert and Sullivan as soon as I hear from them. You should live so long. Oh, thank you. And thank you, Mrs. Ainsley, thoughtfully, Tweedle the third. A farmer, a farmer who is through with the summer theater, Mr. Gumbo Drain. Hey, don't mention actors to me. Well, what happened, Mr. Drain? Well, sir, last summer the drought set in. Got so dry my ducks was treading dust. Treading dust around. Your crops suffer from the heat? My cucumbers got so hot they was giving off a dull green glow. Yeah, they look like Mazda pickles on a neon vine. Say, it must have been terrible. Yes, it certainly was. I had to quit walking around the farm. Radishes was giving me the hot for it. <laughs> yes, sir. I seen the harvest was going to be a mess of clinkers. So you... <laughs> So you uh, harvested with a rake, did you? So you rented your barn? Yes, sir, to the Tinkerbell players. The, uh, what happened? Well, the next day, my barn was full of actors. Hens started disappearing from the coops. Eggs was missing from the nest. Ducks started going one by one. What did you find? No, no, I was fuming, but biding my time. Tuesday, I catch an actor kneeling on the stage. His hand stuck out through a door. It's going up and down. The door? His hand. Oh. I says, hey, what you doing there? He says, yeah, I'm rehearsing. Rehearsing what, I says? Shaking hands with a man off stage, he says. He was kneeling down to shake hands? Yeah, he says, in the play, the man you can't see is a midget. Oh, I see, I see. Well, sir, I run around the back. I'd never see the midget. Well, what did he look like? I still ain't see the midget. That actor? He wasn't saying goodbye to nobody. But you said his hand was going up and down. He was milking my cow. <laughs> Some interest to me. A young New York... You forgot to thank me, Mr. Drain. Thank you, Mr. Drain. A new young New York producer who uses the summer theater merely as a laboratory, Mr. Dawson Bells. Mr. Bells. Thank you. To me, the theater is merely a test tube. In it, I brew all human emotion. You are not interested in the audience, Mr. Bells? The audience means nothing. The theater means nothing. The play means nothing. Only you. Yes. I mean something. Is that the, uh, is that the consensus? I am the consensus. I proved that in my laboratory theater during the past season. Well, I didn't have... Did you see my play, Thread? Thread? 
Yes. No, I... 200 sewing machines on the stage. Sewing, sewing. The silkworm enters. The machine age, he mutters. The silkworm hauls in. The sewing machine stop. Curtain. Think it over. Yes, I... <laughs> you, uh, you saw my play, Crash. Oh, you had a nut crash? Yes. You... No, I... I didn't. The curtain goes up. A bass drum is center stage. The drum is a symbol. On the drum is a symbol. Yes. The symbol is a symbol. The audience ponders. A termite smacks his lips. Curtain. You see the work I'm doing. Yes. <laughs> what, uh, what is wrong with the theater, Mr. Belt? The theater is afraid to experiment. Why should the actors always be on the stage and the audience in the seats? Oh, you're changing all that this summer? Definitely, at Long Crag, Connecticut. Long Crag, Connecticut. Yes, I'm yes, I'm at... doing an Ibsen play in the windmill. The actors are inside a windmill? Yes, remarkable idea, really. The audience rides around in baskets on the four giant paddles. <laughs> As the paddles pass the bottom of the windmill, the audience looks in. I see. Snatches of the play are seen. Well, how do the people know what the whole play is about? The windmill stops. The four groups are introduced, they withdraw, views are exchanged, and it dawns on them. Yes, it, uh, it should be a good lesson to them. Next summer, next summer, I am presenting a season of Shakespeare in the lighthouse off the coast of Old Orchard, Maine. But what about the audience? The audience will be in Biddeford, ten miles away. Well, how will people know what's going on? The orchestra seats will have telescopes. Oh. The balcony seats will have opera glasses. And the folks in the gallery? Uh, they can't see me. And that goes for me, too. And thank you, Mr. Dawson Bell. I seem to have wasted a lot of time. Yes, that is the... But uh, despite you have wasted a life, only a fragment of your time has been wasted here, Mr. Bell. But despite many handicaps, the summer theater will flourish again this year, and many a Shakespearean actor will be pleasantly surprised at the instant service he receives when he reads these lines in a bar. A horse! A horse! Mac Kingdom after a horse! <laughs> And now the Merrimack sing for you that stirring song, Tea for Two. Stirring song. Hey, not bad for this late in the season. <laughs> However, Tea for Two. Sugar cake for me. 
just recently stated, ladies and gentlemen, that the reason most men aren't more successful is because they don't recognize opportunity when it knocks at their doors. Now, tonight, we'd like to find out whether or not the professor hit the bullseye. So we question members of our studio audience. Now, this gentleman here, did you hear opportunity knocking at your door? Eh? Huh? What door? No, no. Opportunity at the door. Door. Knocking. Well, don't knock if you can't boost. That's what I always say. No, no. Look, opportunity is knocking at the door. Well, let him in if you remind to. I don't live here. Oh, skip it, skip it, skip yeah, it. Yeah, that's what I always say. Well, call Bill. Uh, where were we? Where were we? Oh, yes, you, sir. <laughs> Did uh, you recognize opportunity when she knocked at your door? Yes, I knew it was my big chance, but that didn't do any good. You see, I had an opportunity to interview a man who had a swell job for me. And you muffed it? I certainly did. I was feeling kind of dull and under the weather, and I must have looked it. I guess I didn't make much of an impression, so that was that. Well, we all understand how you must feel, so I'm sure we'll all appreciate this thought of Harry Von Zell. Well, of course, it's mighty important to feel at your best every day, ladies and gentlemen. That's why it will pay you never to forget, when you're under par, that salvopatica helps give you a faster comeback. Very often, nearly everyone has that sluggish, headachey feeling that says, take a laxative. But if you take something with a laxative action only, it may be days before nature has cleared up any accompanying gastric acidity. That's why so many physicians say, take sal hepatica, because sal hepatica not only brings you speedy yet gentle relief, this famous mineral salt laxative also counteracts excess gastric acidity, which helps chase that sickish feeling fast. So your head's clearer, your pep's back, and you're quickly on the job again. So never be without Sal Hepatica. Get an economical bottle from your druggist before another day goes by. See if your whole family doesn't appreciate your showing them this quick modern way to a faster comeback with sparkling Sal Hepatica. <laughs>
Peter Van Steeden and his Ipana Troubadours have just played Strange Enchantment. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I know you didn't expect to meet. Ah, uh, you prepared, Uncle James? I cannot tell a lie, Fred. I am. And what unusual occupation have you peeked in on during the past week? Well, I was sitting in a movie theater the other day watching the newsreels and got to wondering about those men who risked their lives to bring the news of the day to millions of people. Well, don't tell me, Uncle James. Yes, Fred. Our guest tonight is one of them. He's the ace cameraman of the movie tone news staff, Mr. Jess Kizzis. Well, good evening, Jess. Good evening, Fred. Glad you didn't have your camera. We could have snapped that reception there. <laughs> Jess, how long? <laughs> I could have used it many a week up here. You know, we don't get any. Jess, how long have you been contributing your celluloid mite to the weekly newsreel? Twelve years, Fred. Twelve years, and I imagine that during your long career, you have recorded for post for posterity. Most never having met them, of course, I wouldn't be familiar with the work. <laughs> but you have recorded for posterity more than your quota of history in the making. Yes, I've covered a quite ver a wide variety of events and happenings, all right. Now, what are some of the more dramatic episodes you have recorded on celluloid, Jess? Well, there was the Flint sit-down strikes, the Wyoming Valley floods, the Coney Island fire, and the Morrow Castle and Mohawk disasters. Well, between strikes, floods, fires, and shipwrecks, you really ought to be an authority on catastrophes. Catastrophes, unfortunately, make the most exciting newsreel shots, Fred. Yes, that is only too true. You know, there's one thing that always puzzles me, Jess. No matter what goes on, there always seems to be a newsreel cameraman there to get his pictures. How do you fellas know when things are going to happen? Who decides what happenings are to be filmed? Our assignment editor. Your assignment editor. He tells you where to go in yes, a nice way. Yes, Fred. <laughs> well, uh, tell me, Jess, how can the movie tone news cover events in Japan, Italy, and Perth Amboy <laughs> so effectively and uh, quickly? The company has a staff of some 200 newsreel cameramen scattered all over the world. Oh, and they take care of everything? Most everything. We also have a large number of freelance men who augment the regular staff. They cover any stories that pop up in unusual places. Well, what becomes of all of these pictures? What do you do with old newsreels? You can always find a use for yesterday's newspaper, but you can't wrap up a herring in a newsreel. <laughs> Old newsreels are filed away, Fred. In the vaults of the movie tune news, we have a copy of every foot of film that's ever been shot. That, akin to the centipede, must run into feet. Yes, we have about 50 million feet. Quiet, please. <laughs> a, uh, <laughs> a woman overappreciated my last remark. I had to quell <laughs> Uh, what did you say? You have over five, 50 million feet. 50 right, million buddy. feet of film. Say, Jess, you had a Donald Duck and a travelogue, and you've got a full-length show at any neighborhood theater. <laughs> but tell me, have you ever been injured in the line of duty? Yes, I've had my hand badly cut by a blimp propeller trying to get some freak shots, and I've been slugged a few times working at riots, but it's all a part of the game. Ah, yes. As the hunter said when the antlers fell off of the dead deer... It's part of the game. <laughs> have you, uh, have you had... Now, quiet, please. We've got to get on here. We... But, uh, <laughs> have you had to perform any unusual physical feats to record some important footage? Well, to take the view from the top of the Triborough Bridge, I climbed the cables carrying a 100-pound camera. Well, that's certainly a lot of trouble to go to to get a picture of Flushing, isn't it? <laughs> 
Has your has your life ever been in jeopardy? Yes, Fred. I covered the Machado Revolution in Havana with bullets flying all around me. Instead of shooting your subjects, it was practically vice versa. <laughs> Say, what about celebrities? Have many famous folks strayed within range of your focus? Yes, I've taken Colonel Lindbergh, Herbert Hoover, Howard Hughes, President Roosevelt, Al Smith, and many others. Is any one of the front page celebrities, uh, personalities, a favorite with the cameraman? I'd say Postmaster Farley was, Fred. Postmaster Farley? Well, he doesn't go around handing out stamps to the boys between close-ups, does he? <laughs> no, but he's always ready to cooperate. We'll know for sure in 1940. <laughs> Look at Jim, that old Republican chortling. <laughs> and what about the what about the, the the sporting luminaries, Jazz? Max Bear's my favorite. Max likes to clown around before the camera, and so does Tony Galindo. Oh yes, I've seen Tony in a lot of pictures. I I've seen a lot of Tony in one picture too. <laughs> I hear uh, I hear he was pretty mad at one theater manager last week. That's unusual, Fred. Tony's generally good-natured. Well, I know, but one theater showed a newsreel of Tony training for the Lewis fight. It was followed by a trailer that said, Coming next week, Doc Victory. <laughs> I see what you mean. I sense that you would, Jeff. <laughs> now, in all your years of newsreel activities, what has been your biggest scoop? I guess the time I covered the capture of Tugun Crowley. Oh, I remember LaFair Crowley. <laughs> they cornered him in a rooming house uptown. Well, how did you know the police were going into action at that? I didn't. I just happened to drive... I just happened to be driving through that block when the excitement began. What did you do? I got my camera out of the car and was grinding away even before the police commissioner got there. Well, that's certainly quick work. You know, I once heard about a newsreel man who got to a fire before Mayor LaGuardia. <laughs> I don't believe that. <laughs> After all, you can't do the impossible, you know. I saw a picture yesterday where the mayor showed up with a fish in one paper. <laughs> Say, I just happened to think about another. <laughs> <laughs> a dead heat at the market. I <laughs> Say, I just happened to think, Jess, about another movie tone feature. Do you do you ever make any of those comedy movie tone shots uh, shots for Lou Lair? Yes, I have made quite a few. Well, say, tell me, how how do you get Lou's picture up in the corner of those new shots? <laughs> do you have to take Lou out and hang him up in the hippopotamus cage or wherever it is? No, we just photographed the scenes. Lou gets up there the best way he can. And he's been doing it lately, too, I've noticed. <laughs> what about that liquid double talk? Do you photograph that? Uh, Lou dubs in his own dialogue back in the studio. Say, do you think confidentially, after looking at Europe, that Lou still thinks monkeys are the craziest people? <laughs> I wouldn't know, Fred. Well, the next time I see some monkeys, I'm going to ask them how they feel about Lou. <laughs> but enough of this Darwinian chit-chat. Tell me, Jazz, what is the most recent important assignment you have Cover. The arrival of the king and queen here in New York. Now, how close did you get to their majesties? I was about six feet from them at the fair. It must have been quite a thrill. Yes, Fred, it was one of those experiences that make my job so fascinating. As far as I'm concerned, there's no other job nowhere like it. In other words, the newsreel cameraman is a soldier of fortune. Without the fortune, yes. <laughs> well... <laughs> 
Thanks a lot for this little verbal hike around your tripod, Jess. Now, before you go, I wonder if you'd do me a favor. If you could take a newsreel picture for me, sort of a minor catastrophe. I'd be glad to, Fred. Say, could you just shoot a few feet of Mr. Van Steeden up on his podium there? <laughs> is that a catastrophe? Mr. Van Steeden is a catastrophe with skin on it. I get it. Good night, Fred. Thank you, and good night, Mr. Jess Kisser. <laughs> Excuse me, Uncle Jim. It's uh, bad manners to speak over your shoulder, you know, to kibitz verbally. And now, Uncle, uh, now Lynn Murray's... <laughs> now Lynn Murray's town hall quartet needed our microphone accidentally to sing for you on purpose, Concert in the Park. <laughs> Time for that extra note, will that Peter? That little thing that threw in. Well, this year, ladies and gentlemen, some graduating classes have decided by vote uh, a new question. To wit, what movie star would make an ideal companion on a desert island? Now, for the most part, however, these informal elections have concerned themselves with more pertinent issues, such as who is the best student or the finest athlete, and so forth. Now, tonight we follow through with the town hall elections, and we are very happy to report as follows. First, the one most likely to succeed. I have Yes, ladies and gentlemen, that is the natural choice. I pan a toothpaste. When used with gum massage will succeed in helping you have the kind of a smile you can be proud of. Because an attractive smile depends on sparkling teeth and firm, healthy gums. And Ipana toothpaste is especially made not only to clean and brighten teeth, but when used with massage to help give gums the toning they need for firmness and health. The stimulation that helps guard against gum trouble. Second, the most convincing speaker. That, too, is Ipana toothpaste. For Ipana definitely speaks for itself. The very first time you brush your teeth with Ipana, 
Put the little extra eye pan on your brush or fingertip and massage it on your gums. Notice the remarkable difference. Notice that pleasant tingling sensation as circulation speeds up and lazy gums start to waken. Finally, we nominate the most popular member of the class. And again, the winner is Ipana. For so many people step up to their drug counters and ask for Ipana that it outranks all other toothpaste. Make up your mind right now to help yourself to healthier gums, brighter teeth, and the kind of a smile that wins friends and keeps them with Ipana toothpaste. <laughs> Gentlemen, Town Hall tonight will continue immediately following a brief pause for your station identification. Now, now that you have heard from the man of the hour on the half hour, we return you intact and in toto to the old town hall. Now, on Thursday night... May er- I come in, Mr. Allen? Well, Portland, why, certainly. <laughs> hey, if Gracie can get on information, please, you certainly can get in here. <laughs> hey, what's the, uh, what's the matter, Portland? Nothing. Why, your forehead is as wrinkled as the knees on a pair of $2 corduroy pants. <laughs> Are you worried? Well, yes. I've been thinking about after next week. You mean next week is our last program for the summer? Yes. What am I going to do Wednesday night? Say, you think you've got trouble? How would you like to be Waukegan? <laughs> Worried why the city hall has lost 80 pounds. <laughs> Didn't you hear that, that Benny is going back to Waukegan? Jack is? Why, not only Benny is going back, he's taking his radio program with him and his new picture. If that isn't a trouble parlay, <laughs> say that combination will set Waukegan back 20 years. Well, I heard Jack's new picture, Man About Town, is swell. Say, if Benny's picture gets one star in Waukegan, it'll be on the sheriff's vest. Gosh, I bet Jack gets a big welcome. Eh, previewing a picture in his hometown. Who does Benny think he is, Union Pacific? (laughs) You know, I hear he put Rochester in the picture so he could brag around Waukegan the pictures in Technicolor. Well, I didn't go home to Boston when my picture opened, did I? No. I didn't go home after it opened. (laughs) Either, did I? No. You know why? Yes, I saw your picture. All right, all right, all right. You were the one. I should have taken your name at the time. Well, this subject is soil. Let's change it. What what has Benny got that if I had, I certainly would get rid of right away? to change the subject. All right, all right. Let's talk about vacations. Where where are you going on your vacation? Oh, Mama and I are going out to the World's Fair. Oh, for the whole summer? Yes. We're going to get in that line that's always waiting to see the General Motors exhibit. <laughs> that, uh, that line is part of the fair now, you know. They're stuffing it and putting it away for the winter and bringing it. <laughs> they say the General Motors 
Your show is wonderful. Oh, yeah. You get in moving chairs and ride in the dark past a lot of scenery. Oh, you can do that in the Tunnel of Love at Coney Island. <laughs> yes, but that isn't educational. That is a matter of opinion. spend your vacation. Well, I might go up to Maine again if Rudy will move over. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty tired. Now, I want to go someplace where nobody suspects I'm a comedian and nobody expects me to say anything funny. Why don't you stay on the program, Alan? Ah, <laughs> uh, Rift, welcome home to the loop. Hi, what? What do you hear from the thought? <laughs> Dingosaurs writing your stuff, huh? Did you get that quick comeback party? You said last week you weren't going to tell any more jokes, Peter. Well, he's kept his word up to now, has Oh, yeah? If you want to hear a wow gag party, get this. I'm in a room with a head of lettuce. Oh, uh-huh. so there's one head in the room. Why? Well, what's the answer, Peter? Which one of us goes out first? The lettuce can't walk. No, the lettuce leaves. <laughs> well, the... <laughs> Listen, uh... oh, this is the end of Van Steeden. <laughs> we can't hold them now. We've got to put them on We the People, the man. Applause with a gag like that. All right. Now, the lettuce leaves. If you'll join it, uh, now you'll be able to say what well, he's got to get a coat to match the pants now, the way he's going. Maybe you didn't tell that joke right, Peter. Yeah, I must have let down. I'm pretty tired. I'll be glad when my vacation starts. If we'd known I was going to get a laugh, we could have changed those lines we had all that. Oh, are you going away, Peter? No. Alan's going away. That's vacation enough for me. Well, I'm no insurance man, but the feeling is mutual. Oh, with you to swell. I wonder where Harry's going. Harry? Yes, Forty. Have you made any vacation plans? Well, no, Forty. I was going to the Thousand Islands, but I don't know. Well, what's the matter with the Thousand Islands? I don't like the dressing. <laughs> the right program. <laughs> I was looking around for Penner there. <laughs> well, if you don't like the dressing, why don't you go to a burlesque show for the summer? Come in. So this could be the place. Stop pushing. Who's pushing? I'm here to see a prospect. Prospect is a park in Brooklyn. Take the BMT. <laughs> Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The Agna Wagner Act can't be any worse than this act that's coming. (laughs) If you fellas want a third for trouble, what goes on here? Uh, I am here to arrange for your vacation, (laughs) Bobby. What vacation? You want a vacation, Alan? I'm your man. Take a mind at once, Bobby. You're coming to the mountains. What you need is some good salt air, Alan. Now, look, I... For me, you're looking like a man who's wanting the best. And the best is Pomeroy Pinkus playground in the parks. <laughs> Why the woodpeckers eat the penthouse off his joint every summer? Yeah, 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 woodpeckers, he's saying. My place is Beaver Bar. <laughs> Your board 
ain't fit for a beaver. No, now, wait a minute. No. If you want class, Alan, I'm running a seashore rendezvous. Seaweed Haven. A rendezvous. It's a dive. What do you mean, a dive? So help me from the bed to the floor. You can dive and not touch bottom. I don't want to fall out of bed and bump my head on the Coast Guard, you know. This could happen by seaweed Haven. By seaweed Haven, the first two floors is reserved for the top. Now, don't tell me the beds are pontoons Bought leaching yet That is a lie, Pinkus Look, one night only I'm stopping by the seaweed haven What happened, Pinky? In the morning, I am waiting A shark is in bed with me What do you want in a dollar room, a tuna? By time I want Pinkus playing around in the ponds <laughs> You are leading the life of Riley What's Riley doing at your joint? Using the name of enemies. Now, look, I'm not roughing it this summer, boys. I'm looking for something high class. High class, you see. By pinkus, you're not getting in without a simple case. Well, who is your social director? Social director. I, I, family pinkus, and mine host and part-time buffoon. Guests is calling me an old Mickey <laughs> Now, what about the rates, Well, fellas? if you're sleeping hillbilly style, eight guests together, that's $2 daily. With the sheets, of course, I'm charging extra. Now, you don't think I'm sleeping in a room with eight strangers. Uh, the strangers, you say. Before you are getting into bed, each guest you are meeting personally by name. Slumming, Alan. That's slumming. At Seaweed Haven, I'm renting a single room with combination pillow and water wings for six bits. Bang up, good time, brother. Coming to Pomeroy Pinkus's playground in the park. For a salty siesta, come to the seaweed haven, chum. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't make a snap decision. Well, for calling in a third party. Okay, here I am. Can not you, Chisla? A stranger. Say, Portland, what do you think? Here. That's what I think. Max proved that there's life in the old girl yet by singing their version of Little Annie Rooney. She's my sweetheart, I'm her mole. She's my Annie, I'm her Joe. Soon we'll marry, never to part. Little Annie Rooney is my sweetheart. She's my Little Annie Rooney, little Annie Rooney. 
Thank you. Now, may I introduce a man who has made a hobby of World's Fairs, a man who has seen every fair in the last 25 years, and who is here tonight to tell us what he thinks of ours, Mr. A.C. Patterson. Now, Mr. Patterson, what impressed you most? Uh, the benches. Every way you look, there are benches. And chairs, you just get in one of them, and the fellow pushes it around. And then the buses, you sit down on one of these buses, and away she goes. Yes, and then... well, that, that's, uh, that's all very gratifying, but how about the exhibits? Oh, I never go inside the exhibits anymore. Why not? Well, you see, I'm subject to World's Fair feet. I beg your pardon? Well, you know, I get interested in the sights, and I walk miles looking at things, and... And when I get home, I got a pair of feet that ought to be in a sanitarium. <laughs> they burn and they ache till I wish I'd stayed home in the first place. Well, there's no need to take that desperate attitude, is there, Harry? No, indeed. Not if you know about Minute Rub. M-I-N-I-T-R-U-B. A new and better way to help bring quick, welcome relief to sore, tired, aching feet. No matter how or where you get them. Just squeeze a little Minute Rub from the tube and rub it on. And on the muscles in the back of your legs, too. And see how soon you get blissful relief. And that's only one of the many ways in which Minute Rub helps you, ladies and gentlemen. Just remember this. Minute Rub is a priceless comfort when you suffer from nervous headaches due to overwork or fatigue. Or if you turn and toss at night, try relaxing the Minute Rub way and see how quickly you're on the way to calm, restful sleep. And don't forget that Minute Rub, which is approved by good housekeeping, is greaseless and stainless. It disappears as you rub it on, so it can't harm your clothing or linen. Get an inexpensive tube from your druggist tomorrow, or even tonight. Your whole family will appreciate your showing them this quick, modern way to help relieve muscle discomfort and fatigue of all kinds. With Minute Rub. Mississippi. It's called A Crisis Boards the Showboat, or Captain Andy Couldn't Land the Boat, so he finally docked the actors. Overture, Peter. Hi, Captain Andy. How's the old showboat? Howdy, howdy, folks. The old Captain Andy's docking his showboat, the bald weevil here in Memphis again, to give you all your annual treat. Hey, Uncle Tom. Yep, ain't nothing changed. Only Simon Legree's got a new dirty laugh. <laughs> Come aboard, folks, and get your ticket, neighbors. Soon as the gang planks down. It's a great show, and it's starting in an hour. Hey, how about a song, Captain? Oh, yeah. 
sing for y'all in a concert right after the big show, neighbors. Lanny and me'll do a duet. <laughs> Your old Captain Andy's going into his cabin now for a spell. See y'all at showtime. Well, by the time you got in here, Aunt Alan. Why, Cindy Lou, my nagging wife. I thought you all was in the galley fixing vittles for my actors. Ain't no vittles to fix. Ain't nothing in the galley but some eggshells. Well, take them out and get them refilled. Listen, I laid the table. I ain't laying eggs to go on it. I've got to have vittles for my Uncle Tom actor, Cindy Lou. If things gets any worse, we're going to be eating bloodhound ragu. What do you think that stool last night was, Veal? <laughs> Doggone. And all gone if it's any news to y'all. So that's what that wagon was in my stomach. I didn't know. Why don't y'all get a job on land, Captain Andy? I still got faith in my showboat, the Ball Weaver Cindaloo. I still got faith in Uncle Tom's cabin. I'm carrying on. Borrowing money in every hey, town. Never paying your actors. I'm paying my actors' share tonight. Paying them what? Compliments? Uncle Tom's cabin is selling out chair tonight in Memphis. The Captain Andy Allen is beating his obligations right after the show. What show? Uncle Tom quit last night in Hattiesburg, didn't he? And good riddance. Called himself an actor. Could only go two weeks without food. <laughs> How are you all going to play Uncle Tom's cabin without Uncle Tom? I wired to the north to New York City for a new leading man, Cindy Lou. A fresh Uncle Tom's a giant in the showboat chair tonight. Yeah, but this is my new Uncle Tom now. I wired him to get you for a showtime. I'll see. Captain Andy Allen. From Monday through to Sunday, son. That's all I want to know. Come in, Mac. Right, Jack. What is it you're selling? We're selling talent, lady. We're Jack and Mac, those happy chappies, a knockout comedy act. Now, I don't need... We've no... been waiting down here in Memphis for Bonneville to come back. Been here ten years. Yeah, we... Uh... <laughs> Show. Well, what about my show? Well, it's around a levy. It's a blintzer. Yeah. Blintzer, sir. A clam bake, a turkey. Put Jack and Mac in your show, brother, and you got a hit. Right. I ain't presenting no floating Fanchon and Marco unit. My showboat chair is playing Uncle Tom's cabin. Well, that opera's passe, brother. Jack and Mac can pep it up, right, Jay? Right, Mac. Now, first, we need a new title. I got it. Uncle Tom's a poppin'. Great. We're making a music. Great. Now, here's your opening. Uncle Tom and two other cotton pickers swim by the levee. Bang. Then comes your theme song. Ah, three little pickers in the itty-bitty pool. <laughs> yeah. And then, no driver. Take it, Mac. Bang. Simon Legree comes on cracking his whip. Yeah, Legree's snarling to himself. Legree says, I'm vicious. I'm vicious. I'm vicious. And bang, the theme song again. Ah, three, three little, little vicious in the itty-bitty pool. <laughs> hold on, hold on, child. I ain't a standing boy. Carpetbagger. Take it, Jack. I see a musical finale. Eliza's crossing the ice. The bloodhounds pursue The ice is dry ice. Yeah, it was dropped in the river by a good humor man. <laughs> the three bloodhounds get 12 hot foots and jump in the river to put them out. Zoe, a reprieve. Three, three little, little bloodhounds in the itty-bitty pool. Uh, congratulations, man. We're a genius, Jack. Well, Robert E. Lee. What do you say, Cole? Only this. Open that door yonder, Cindy Lou. Hey, let go of my car. Hey, hey, let go of me oaks, too. There's going to be two little Yankees in the itty-bitty pool. <laughs> Dumping you both all in the river. Not over the rail. Oh! And you too. I got out a cheap suit of a Up to daisy. Oh! 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 Now you all can fim and fim, and I don't give a. Andy! I'm coming, Sam. <laughs> Doggone Yankees. Trying to Gilbert and Sullivan, my Uncle Tom's cabin. <laughs> Open the window, Cindy Lou. 
Let them suggestions blow out at you. Okay, Andy. Carry me back to the Ah, the suit. The good old suit. <laughs> Close that window, Cindy Lou. Okay, Andy. Happy go lucky plantation hands are giggling and a bending down. A picking cotton and a singing. Stop picking cotton when they're singing. They pick the cotton to stuff in their ears so they can't hear the singing. <laughs> Come in, Chad. Captain Manny. You all my new Uncle Tom? No, no, I'm the sheriff. The yeah. sheriff? Yes, ma'am. Uh, Captain Mandy, I got some mighty bad news for you. It's that last loan you loaned, Andy. I know that. Yeah, it is. The bank at Natchez is foreclosing on your showboat. Well, I can pay my bills. Hey, with what? The bank's been checking on your business along the river. I got the reports right here. My business reports? Got them right here. Listen here. Go for whole Missouri. Even the tide went out in your show. <laughs> well, I know. Cornpone, Tennessee, played the two pickaninnies and a possum. Show broke up when Simon Legree jumped over the footlights, caught the possum, and ate it raw. <laughs> I know, excusing his manners, I know things has been bad. But the river's coming back, sure. I don't think it is, Captain Mandy. Your showboat's washed up. The bank's foreclosing. They're turning your showboat into a trailer for the Albany night boat. <laughs> My showboat share sold out tonight in Memphis, Sheriff. Now I'm expecting a New York actor here any minute. He'll save my show. You gotta give Captain Mandy one more chance, Sheriff. Yeah. Well, I don't know. All right. I'll be back just before curtain time. Now, good luck to you. Lord, Andy, your New York actor better be getting here. He'll be just, just in the loop. Oh, look, Andy, out the window, chair. What, ain't another Sheriff? No. It's a fancy-looking dude coming up the gangplank. Is he toting a straw suitcase and sporting a hungry look? Yeah, and his pants is baggy, clear to the hips. He's a New York actor, Cindy Lou. <laughs> He's Uncle Tom. My showboat is safe. Come in, sir. Welcome to Captain Andy's showboat, Uncle Tom. Thanking you kindly, Captain. Morris Padolik is ready to perform. Which way is the stage? Now, hold on, sir. There's some mistake, sir. You are hiring to New York for Padolik, no? Yes. Padolik is here, no? Yes. <laughs> this is a mistake? No. Yes. <laughs> my telegram said, rush an actor to my boat. Rush an actor, so that's Padolik. <laughs> I am the Russian actor. Well, peel my yam. The telegraph company must have misspelled your wire, Andy. Well, I'm powerful sorry, neighbor. You all can't play Uncle Tom. Can't play, you think? Twenty years in the Moscow art. Podolnik is playing Uncle Tom's cabin. We are calling it Commissar Tomaszewski's cabana. Oh, it ain't no use, Andy. He can't never play Uncle Tom. Nobody will understand it. My back's to the pinrail, Cindy Lou. On stage, everybody. Five minutes till cutting time. Minutes. What am I gonna do? Here is some stove polish. But don't need no spotting up. Oh, I tell you, Andy, he'll ruin Uncle Tom's cabin. Well, Captain Mandy, what about the show? Well, uh, I guess I'm ready, Chef. Hey, is this your New York actor? Yeah. Oh, you, I am Boris Padonik. What? I am taking off Uncle Tom. Jumping jackpots of foreigner. Huh? A keystone copper is insulting the great Padonik? Krasnaya Pesdice Krubyanya, Jiprasna Gospody Pomaloi. What's he saying? It ain't high old silver. <laughs> No, no, you should be in spades. No, 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 that's done it, Captain. 
Captain. I'm foreclosing here now. Now, Hold on, Chester. You told me your showboat was sold out tonight, Captain Andy. It is, You told me this here New York actor would save the show. He will, Chef. I'll pay back. Hey, pay with what? If this Lithuanian plays Uncle Tom with that dialect, you'll have to refund everybody's money. Now, I'm foreclosing right here now. Now, wait, hold on, hold on, Chef. Let me take Padonyat back in the galley, Chef. I'll teach him a southern dialect. I'm a quick study. Well, I'm giving you two minutes, Captain Andy. Two minutes in the galley, and I guarantee Padolnik will come out with a southern draw. Follow me, Padolnik. Padolnik goes first. Padolnik is a leading man. Oh, I hope Captain comes through, Sheriff. Well, if that Cossack don't come out with a southern dialect, I'm taking over your showboat, lock, stock, and anchor. I can only hope and pray, Sheriff. Well, I'm a fatalist and an agnostic. I can't join you. How's the time, Sheriff? The time's up. I'll get my Come on out of there, Padolnik. I'm sure not ready to play old Uncle Tom. Let's go. Well, I'll be... Why, Mr. Podolik, you all is talking folks. I'm from Dixon, honey child. Captain Andy sure is a wonder worker. Meet your new Uncle Tom. Well, I'll just... And you ain't for a closing show. No, I ain't. Come on out here, Captain Andy. How'd you ever do it? So ten years with the showboat is learning me one day. week's show. May we sincerely hope you've enjoyed this one. Thank you for having us in your homes and for your friendliness to our famous product. Ipana toothpaste for the smile of beauty, Sal Hepatica for the smile of health. Ipana and Sal Hepatica. Thank you, Harry. And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, next Wednesday evening, Town Hall Tonight brings you honest health advice. How to get rid of the grit. Give it to a red cap. Your song of the week. A California hero. That's a here I come, not here I come, isn't it? I'm hitchhiking, bud. Oh. People you didn't expect to meet. <laughs> Our sponsor, Wilfred Tremble in his boots. Will everybody get fired? Tune in next Wednesday. Music. <laughs> Be sure to tune in next time, my friends, for another classic comedy radio show. I'm Greg Fordyce. Thanks for listening. Thanks for 